Welcome back to Canada's Young Leaders, a podcast exploring bold ideas for our country's future. This is the climate season, where we'll be speaking with young environmental leaders about the roles of governments, corporations, and individuals in combating climate change. We'll also look at the COVID-19 pandemic and the opportunity it presents to build back better. This season, we hope to educate both our listeners and ourselves about the biggest issue our species has ever faced, the battle to save planet Earth. Welcome, everybody, to our outro episode of The Climate Season for Canada's Young Leaders. Dad, we are done. We finished the uh, the climate season. We did 10 great interviews, 11 technically, because we had that double uh, double episode. That's right. But you know, you and I, we don't really talk to each other on the podcast, so let's just talk to each other for a minute. How are you doing? Oui, on va jaser un petit peu. Un petit jazz. Yes. No, it's been a great season. Great, great guests uh, on a super important issue at, at a weird time. Like we've been pre-COVID and, and during COVID for these interviews, and it's not made it easy. We kind of did the season in two parts in a way where we recorded four of our interviews pre-COVID. Uh, so the first four interviews that you would have heard, which were Jenica Owen, Louis Ramirez, we had Christian Arsenault, and then we had Caroline Brouillette. Those first four were recorded in studio uh, at the Upward Network. And then COVID hits, we can no longer go into the studio. We were kind of waiting around, hoping, okay, maybe it's a one, two-month thing. Thinking about going back. Didn't happen. So eventually set up this kind of home studio. Bomb shelter. Bomb shelter. We are now in December of 2020. And this is it. We're wrapping it up. We did it, though. We got it out there. And I'm really glad that we could kind of tick this off this year. It's been great to do that and uh, to to think about the issues we've, we've uh, addressed. Uh, everything from the Extinction Rebellion narrative and what that means all the way to the you know the policy side of the spectrum with an American election in between anyway it's been great uh, to learn and meet uh, Canada's young leaders uh, in in the climate space I hope uh, listeners have enjoyed it too because there's been some really rich exchanges and highly knowledgeable intuitive intelligent conversation on this issue which is often you know, characterized by the exact opposite, right? By polemics and hysteria. This has been really smart and thoughtful conversation. Yeah, yeah. And Dad, you and I have kind of talked about our worry that, you know, the episodes got gloomy or whatever. I wouldn't say that there were any guests who were particularly gloomy, right? It felt like, you know, we did finish our season talking about hope, but it did feel like the majority of our guests, you know, believed that we could beat this thing, right? It felt like they were all in it, you know, yeah, without any sense, but, sense of futility. But with buts, right? I mean, with caveats, sure, with, with sure. big asterisks, you know, Mark McGuire caveat, right? Did he really win the home run record with all that steroid action going through his body? You know, Weird analogy. So, yeah, no, but a good, not a bad one. Um, maybe not a great one. But yeah, ultimately, um, I, I, think, I think everyone brings the hope, but none of our guests were, you know, kind of glossy-eyed about what's ahead of us and what the challenge is. And I mean, COVID, what do you think? Like COVID has been uh, in some ways uh, a break on climate action. We heard that. And on some ways it's been a real accelerator. It's interesting. You know, we, we kind of talked to Ashley Torres about this. This was actually one of our topics, which was two global crises. For me, I, I you know, I try to be a glass half full kind of guy. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what, this whole build back better thing, I 
I think it has given us an opportunity. The pandemic has given us an opportunity to really start rethinking how we've been doing things because how we've been doing things in many facets isn't working. So let's build back better. I know, I know that's a, that's a, that's a catchy term, right? That has kind of been thrown around everywhere, but I, I think that the essence of it is, is good. So what from the season makes you think that we can build back better a and B what actual policy or change would you like to see Nicholas Wheeler Hughes uh, ensure that we do indeed build back better. Well, James Hughes, now that we're using full names, <laughs> James Donald Hughes. Oh, yes. Hey, very out. proud. Very proud of that middle name. That's your grandfather. Grandfather Hill. Yeah. Donald Hill. Well, what, what I did like about this season is that we, you know, we had a variety of different voices from a variety of different spaces, right? We talked to a couple of politicians, you know, at the federal level, Jenica Atwin, right? Newly elected Green MP. I, I, I have faith that if more politicians like her, enter, you know, go into the House of Commons and stand up for what is right. I, I, I think that that is a space where we can make change, even at the municipal level. We talked to Christian Arsenault, who is a progressive member of the municipal party in Montreal, Projet Montréal, and uh, and he's huge on climate, right? I, I want to see more local politicians Absolutely. like Christian. Incredibly articulate uh, local advocate mm -hmm. for climate action. No, he's, he's great. We're definitely one to watch. So many uh, ones to watch. Yeah. Okay, who is your favorite uh, interview on, on, on the show? Come on, I'm I'm throwing it right at you. Ah, hard to pick. I I I don't want to have any kind of recency bias here, but I do think Eddie Perez really stands out for me. That that for me in particular, I think that was uh, that interview meant a lot just because I I felt it. You know, I felt his energy. I felt the that that he was in this. You know, truly because. He know he he sees a, a path, right? And he's fighting for that path. And there's so much resistance, but he he's on the front lines fighting for our future. Mm, palpable passion, um, palpable. He he gave us reasons to be hopeful, right? The the episode was based on six reasons to be hopeful, and you know the, those those reasons were you know concrete in some ways, you know more uh, philosophical or less concrete per se in other ways. He but he was talking about you know, this idea of building hope through resilience, right? Which I thought was a really interesting idea, right? We we have this solidarity in fighting this common enemy, right? And we are together standing up against a warming planet. I thought that was really great. So, nice. yeah. you know what? I, I think that for me, you know, I, I really enjoyed all our interviews, but I want to shout out Eddie in particular. That was uh, that was great. Throw it back at you. What, uh, what was your favorite? Well, I loved uh, Caroline Bruyette uh, from Equiterre. And this the whole conversation we had about putting a date on an actual date, hard date on ending uh, fossil fuel extraction of all kind. Like we've got a date for coal when, when Canada will um, see the last extraction of coal. Pick the date. Uh, we have not for oil. Uh, we have not for natural gas. We have not. Those are the much. No, those are the big polluters that are left. To move to the electric economy, we're going to have to do that, and that's going to take bold, progressive action. I'm, I'm. I was excited to talk about that and, and the implications for that with her. But I knew it. I, know, yeah. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> my, my, uh, my singular kind of memory from the season was the interview with Louis Ramirez. Uh, shout out to Louis, uh, who was. Quebec leader of uh, a movement called Extinction Rebellion. You may have heard of it. It's just, 
you know, he, uh, in many ways like Eddie, uh, but, and many other guests, but they bring brought such passion to his discussion around the importance of, of fighting, um, those projects right on the ground that are the most polluting. And we're talking in particular of the trans Canada pipelines, uh, west, uh, west, he, you know, he actually himself put his, uh, himself on the line, you know, he, he himself was arrested not once, not twice, but three times uh, in 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 advancing his beliefs. That was in one year. Yeah, we were only talking about a single year. We I, I I don't know if he's been arrested before, but this is a principled guy who stands up for what he believes in. Exactly, and and you know he's he's someone who who's a real role model. I, I mean, um, civil disobedience of that kind. For, well, for this cause, it's almost like yeah. I, I get it, and you know this is you know these are you and I are not in the civil disobedience camp in in that sense. We we march, we do a podcast, we vote, you know, we recycle and compost. But you know, but Louis Louis chains himself to you know the pipeline to require that he be arrested to be removed. That's that's the kind of person he is. That's how far he'll go. So you know, it's. Um, uh, it's it's uh, remarkable for a young person to put his hand up uh, and do that. And I think we all have a lot to learn from people like him. I want to kind of pitch, you know, a question to you. We're, we're, we're talking about, you know, young people a lot on this on this show. That's kind of the point. It's in the title, in fact. Canada's young leaders. We're talking to these leaders who are, you know, obviously prominent in, you know, their uh, different areas. But, you know, th- these are not necessarily the people who, are at the center of power. We didn't interview Justin Trudeau, right? He's not young, just for the record. That's that's why, right? That, that's the only. We would reason. have invited him, but yeah. he's you know he's he misses the cutoff. That's the only reason we didn't interview. Him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we had one of his ministers last season in the election season. Talked to Karina Gold. That was really cool. She, by the way, is another one to watch. <laughs> Plugging season two. <laughs> yeah, but you know the the. The, the the big people in power right now, you know, the CEOs, the the prime ministers, the presidents, the, you know, cabinet ministers, the people who are currently at the center of power. These are typically older people. And when I say older, I don't mean 80, right? I talk about people who are older than my generation. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, young people, obviously, we uh, care about this issue in a way that no previous generation has. We know more about it, but we are not yet at the point where we hold the power. We demand that those in power make change, but we ourselves are not in power. And based on the uh, you know the numbers that the IPCC has given us, we know that the next ten years are arguably going to be the most critical years in our fight against climate change. So. You know, just with with that in mind, Dad, how does that leave you feeling about you know uh, hope for the future? Right? Do we not have enough time for these young leaders to get to those points of power? Yeah, TikTok. No, there's no question. This is the reason to be cynical and and worried and cautious is because the time is so tight, and your generation is uh, is not homogeneous in the sense of monolithic, like you don't all vote in this way, but it's incredible how m- many of you do vote in this way. And it's moving politicians. So I'm, I just want to uh, give you three reasons why I'm hopeful. One is that the leader of the Conservative Party, newly elected Aaron O'Toole, 
I want to shout out to him. He's not a young leader either. He would not be eligible for this show. But he is someone who is appears to be demonstrating uh, a green orientation. And in other words, he looks like he's trying to move the Conservative Party into a place where it could attract your vote, could attract the vote of other people of your generation. That is the power of having a say in a democracy. It's the most important part of being part of a democracy is its capacity for self-correction and pulling the Conservative Party, if you will, to the middle uh, is is a demonstration of that. So that's number one. And I think it's this, in many ways the same argument for why young people voted en masse for Joe Biden. And so a Biden presidency, and I'm putting my hands together with, you could, I'm praying that the two Georgia Senate seats go Democratic, because that means that we can have actual change of laws that can change the arc of uh, this debate, change the arc of, of the whole climate condition and many ways change the course of human history it's it's that it's that big imagine if we had all all, all well the presidency right the house and the senate you have you imagine. then you then you can actually move uh from just administrative or executive action to legal action which is uh, very very difficult to change uh thereafter you can lock in fuel standards the the last point is one that um uh, I'm particularly um, and, and personally attracted to as a, as a cause for hope, which is my father, my 81-year-old father, your 81-year-old grandfather, Grandpa. is uh, is on the phone the other night uh, when I said to him, uh, we were doing our final episode, and it's, um, you know, it's not, not an issue you're really concerned about, I know, Dad, but, uh, you know, the climate season's coming to an end on Canada's young leaders. Um, yeah, I just, just thought I'd just mention that to you. He said, well, just a second, I've been reading more about it. And this is, this is not someone who's necessarily been a denier as much as a, a, a profound skeptic, a doubter, um, who's saying maybe there's something to those fires and those hurricanes and those rising uh, sea levels uh, that we should pay attention to. So maybe it's a much wider swath of the electorate is moving towards that place that gives the potential to climate action of the most aggressive kind, the kind we need. Symbolic. I love, I love that Grandpa is kind of willing to be um, open-minded to talk about this. You know, I've talked to Grandpa a lot about Indigenous issues um, that he has, you know, been pretty conservative about in the past. And he has demonstrated a curiosity you know, grandma too. And so I think that that is, you know, maybe, maybe a little beacon, right? A, a symbol of, of changing yeah. times. Give yourself a little credit for that too, by being tenacious about that. I don't, I'm not, oh, yeah. I'm not sure. I didn't drop the residential school thing with him. Oh my God. I hammered him hard about it. Yeah. That was during my time at UBC, you know, I was in the indigenous education cohort and, uh, you know, it was kind of the center of, of my thinking at the time. And I was really actually happy to kind of have those discussions with him. But you know, now the thing at the center of my thinking is climate change. You know, I, I, I sometimes feel like climate is the only thing we don't have time to linger on, right? I think that there are so many other important issues out there. And it is absolutely important that we make a just transition towards this new green economy. And it's not just about lowering standards or, excuse me, lowering emissions. It's about rebuilding a society that works for everybody. Mm. Right, that's what it's about. We heard that a lot this season, yeah, but not just about thing. the what, but the how we rebuild. I would say that that's a very modern take 
on you know the the climate movement is that it's not just about one isolated thing it's this whole umbrella term where we're talking about eliminating you know inequality whether it, whether it's racial inequality gender inequality economic inequality handing the baton to yeah. indigenous leaders to to take so us obviously. take us so obviously take us uh, on the journey uh, to being low emitters net zero emitters yeah. maybe even even better and with climate kind of being the issue that you know right now is um, circling around my head every day I think about it all the time I think about the fact that we have so little time to deal with this and that there is going to be a day where we look back and say it's too late right the worst effects of climate change are no longer avoidable we are we are now condemned to the worst effects, crippling wildfires, flooding every year, rising uh, sea levels at, you know, unstoppable rates, you know, those will cause uh, mass migration, right from the uh, from the equator, it's gonna be too hot, they can't stay there. They need to go somewhere else. New York underwater by 2100. So you know, in, in my mind, those, 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 those projections are circling. Um, I feel like I can't do nothing. I feel like I can't even do something. You know, I feel like I have to do a lot because, you know, right now, you know, obviously I kind of feel like we are doing this this season for the, for the purpose of, of educating, you know, as we say in the intro, both our listeners and ourselves about this issue. And hopefully we have, right? In a small way, hopefully we've made a little difference. And that, you know, you, dear listener, have learned something. That, that would be a success for this podcast. You know, I, I work as a teacher and I talk about this stuff to, to my students and, you know, maybe in some small way that'll impact the way that they perceive the world. But, you know, I've said small quite a few times in the last 30 seconds. And I, I feel like I need to operate on a bigger level. I don't know how I'm going to do that. Care to speculate on air? I will. I think about going back to school. I think about running for office. I think about these kind of bigger plays that I could be making because why not? I would only say one thing to you. Hurry up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. It's crazy. It's crazy pressure. You know, it's crazy pressure when you kind of know the stakes. And, you know, I'm someone who kind of puts a lot on my own shoulders. And it, it almost feels overwhelming. I don't know. Do you feel that way? As, as you know, we, we, we do, uh, you know, we're, we're running out of time. But kind of hit, hit me with a bit of how you're feeling about, you know, the climate movement impending doom. <laughs> What, uh, where, where, where does where does the climate season leave you feeling? Well, just because we had so many generally positive guests who are indeed in their own ways, leaders in their sectors, in their spaces, the issues that are becoming increasingly important, environment for the first time ever is a top three uh, issue in terms of voting patterns. I don't think it can but uh, move us towards the, the goals that we've set. I... I I don't know if we'll make it. I mean, I don't know if we'll make 2030. I don't know if we'll make 2050 and the targets we've set. I, do, I don't generally, I don't know that. But, um, you know, I, I, do, I do know that, um, that we're going to get better and better at this. We're going to take a shot uh, at getting there uh, because uh, we have, A, no choice, but B, because it's now politically unthinkable not to. Will will the dirty deal of um, you know the pan Canadian framework 
in exchange for TransCanada pipeline? Like, will we be able to reverse that? I, I don't think so. Like, I think that now is a done deal. But if the pan-Canadian framework can be accelerated to net zero, like it actually move us towards net zero, maybe in the end, it wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world. I'm, I guess I'm trying to see it as the glass half full, but I, I, I don't know. I don't know. We're all... We're all kind of there's acts of faith going on all the time. I'm I'm speaking and with 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 hope and and wonder whether in fact it will take place. But you know, I mean, it's not it's not a business that I'm in though. Like I'm 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 an outsider like you. Hopefully, you won't be an outsider forever on this, uh, even for very long. I hope you get to be an insider. You know, I'm I'm a, I'm an insider on another issue, which is homelessness, which is. Um, uh, an issue of, of great social importance in every city, including ours, Montreal. And I'm, you know, honored to be working in it day to day to protect uh, homeless people from winter, from COVID, and and to try to help them get on the on pathways to housing. And that's I, I like to think a, a noble path to be on. Uh, there's so many other noble paths to be on. Uh, for all listeners out there, if you're wondering about another and and probably the most important noble. Uh, pathway to save everything uh, is is the one that Nicholas is talking about getting on himself, which is which is the climate one. Folks, that is going to do it for us, for the climate season, for Canada's young leaders. Three great seasons, Dad. You know, for the time being, I think we're calling it. You know, we'll see what happens, obviously. But you know, I just want to say that you know this has been a two year project we've undergone together, and uh, it's been it's been fun. Been a real pleasure doing it with you. I've loved it. I love doing this uh, with you. Uh, even if not a single person out there was listening, I I would do this with you. <laughs> but uh, you're uh, you're just a great son, and a father could not be prouder. Folks, thanks so much for tuning in. This is Nick Wheeler Hughes, James, Jim. I don't even know what my name is. Anymore. James Donald Hughes. James they know Donald. James Donald. James the second. Yeah. Signing off. Take care, everybody. Good night. Thanks for listening to Canada's Young Leaders. If you like the show, leave us a rating and review on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts or share this episode with a friend. It's the best way for the show to grow. Special thanks to Cam Duffin and his band Lost Cousins for our theme music, to Meredith Lindsay for our logo, and to Tom Zalatni for producing our show. You're the best, Tom. Canada's Young Leaders is a proud member of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. I'm Tom Zalatni, executive producer of the Upford Network and host and producer of Up for Discussion, a podcast about great food and the people who love to make and eat it. But wait, isn't Up for Discussion a comedy podcast? It sure was, but things change. It's a food show now, and it's a very, very good food show. Every week, I dig into a different ingredient, dish, meal, or cuisine with help from friends and guest experts who know way more about this stuff than I do. Do you like food? Of course you do. You're a person. So you will like this show. Go listen to it. Wherever you get your podcasts. Up for discussion. It's a food podcast now. Brought to you by the Upford Network. I'm October Jones, and Hi, this is... I'm Fish with Legs. I'm a fish with legs. Fish. I'm the elemental creature of water. And I'm here to tell you about my podcast called October Jones and Fish with Legs. Starring me and my best friend... <laughs> October Jones. Nailed it. 
October and Fish is a fictional series that follows me and Fish with Legs as we try to stop an evil two-headed snake from releasing a terrible monster. And make friends and go on adventures and get captured a lot and escape a lot and encounter racism. And what? And learn very special lessons every third episode. I have not learned a single lesson. Yes, you did. We learned about being friends and authoritarianism and colonialism and how to defeat a giant crab. Authoritarianism? They're in authority for a reason, Fish with Legs. If everyone followed the rules set in place by the human government, then there wouldn't be- Fun for adults and kids. <laughs> New episodes on Mondays. You can find it wherever you find podcasts and, of course, on the Upford website. Okay, that's it.